Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we thank you. As Matthew saying just a moment ago, for the salvation that is in Jesus Christ, and Lord, because he lives, and Lord, one day we'll leave this world and we'll be with you, and Lord, I pray that it won't be just then, but even now in our hearts and lives, we'll sing, holy, holy is the Lord with grateful hearts. Father, I thank you for folks like Don and Bonnie and their family that have invested in our ministry here, and and Lord, no doubt in so many lives here in our community throughout the years, and and Lord, I just, I pray now that you'll make this transition over to Ohio smooth for them, and it may, be, it'll be a, it may be a blessing to them to be near their daughter, and who I know they love and are grateful for. And, and Lord, we thank you for her love for them, and, and I know that she'll take care of them there. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'll raise up other folks that'll come alongside, that in, if the Lord tarries in 40, 50 years from now, we'll be saying they've served in this ministry for these many years. Lord, we thank you for them. And Lord, countless others who have invested their life here. Father, now as we come to the preaching of your word, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would use it in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 6, the passage that Brother Stein just read a few moments ago. We're coming to the end of John chapter 6. We've been in this chapter for several weeks now, and we find that Jesus is at the end of his Galilean ministry, and he's teaching there in the synagogue in Capernaum, in verse 59, the Bible tells us there that these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. John shares with us then the responses that people had to the message of Jesus. You know, the response to the ministry of Jesus was to follow him. Let me reiterate that again. The response to the ministry of Jesus was to follow him. But things change when he begins to teach them the truth. In this passage, really uh, from the time when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, we see three responses to this statement and to the teachings of Jesus. In verses 41 through 59, we see the response of of what the Bible refers to as the Jews, the religious leaders of that day as they murmured and grumbled at him. There were these religious leaders listening to the message of Jesus, and, and I know this comes to a a surprise, but they did not like what he had to say. And, and so the Bible tells us that they grumbled and they murmured. And we looked at that a little bit over the last few weeks. But when we come to verse number 60, we now are going to receive the responses from the crowd. Now, Jesus had upwards of 20,000 people that were following him. If you'll remember when the feeding of what we call the 5,000 men when Jesus had him sit down and they brought the little lad who had the fishes and the loaves and Jesus blessed it and he broke it and they began to feed. And, and the estimates are with women and children, there would be upwards of 20,000 people. And, and then you begin to see that Jesus leaves and the people begin to follow him. These thousands and thousands of people would literally follow Jesus throughout the land wherever he went. I want to point out this morning that it's easy to build a crowd. 
It's easy to build a crowd. Just have a a big program. Offer free stuff. Give a message that makes people feel good about themselves. And we see that in Christ's day, and we see that in the day and age which we live in now. You offer free stuff. You have a program. uh, And you can draw in a big crowd. When the teaching of Christ concerning himself, concerning sin, salvation, eternal life, and spiritual matters begins, then you see the crowd begins to disperse. And this is what's happening in in John chapter 6. And that's why it's so important that we do not focus and make just numbers a priority of our ministry. Because it's easy, again, to build big crowds. I was once talking to a pastor, and he was getting ready to to leave his church. And and the church had grown substantially since he was there for 12, 15, 20 years. I don't remember how long he was there. And and, and the church was running, I I believe at the time, around 800. And and he had called me, and we were talking about his looking to move elsewhere. And I remember asking him the question. And this is, I said, why are you leaving? What, what, why, why are you leaving this church that you've been in and invested your life in? And this is the statement, and I'll never forget it. He said, I've done all that I could do here. And as soon as he said that, you know what he meant? It struck me. I built it as big as I could build it. That's what he meant. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, what if you invest the next 20 years of your life and maybe you go from 800 to 600? Now, in the eyes of men, we would see those 20 years as a failure because we're so consumed with the crowds. Well, listen, if you're 800, you should go to 1,000. If you're 1,000, you should go to 1,500 and you should be building the crowds. Or if you're not, then it's a failure. But what if for the next 20 years, 200 people left? But those 600 that were there, you invested and you saw spiritual growth and you saw those 600 then go out and reach people and and invest in the lives of other people. You see, we get so focused on the numbers that we lose sight of true ministry. And literally, this is what's happening to Christ. Christ could have said, well, I'm done. I have 20,000 people. I've done all that I could do here. No, what does he do? He begins to preach and teach And in just a moment, you'll see he looks at the, how many? Twelve. That means over 19,900 people, if we're estimating 20,000 people, basically dispersed when he looks at the twelve. Now, I don't know if that's how many left. I don't know if there were other people that were around when he looked at the twelve, but you kind of get the picture there. Would Christ have been a failure in the eyes of people today? For many, he would be. Because we're so consumed with with the results instead of faithful ministry. We're so consumed with, with the numbers instead of doing what we're told to do by God. We're so consumed with our comfort and, and being served as opposed to, to just serving God and being faithful. Christ had multitudes flocking him, and he begins to, to preach and teach. And I want to bring your attention then and to the two responses of the crowd. Two responses that we see. First of all, in beginning in verse 60, we see the response of the false disciples. Excuse me, the false disciples. 
Verse 60, many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is an hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before, is it the spirit that quickeneth? The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believed not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. The word disciple there is used here of those that are following Jesus from place to place, but it's obviously obvious from the passage and very clear that these were not true believers. The word disciple is used of those that would follow him because of what he could do for them, because of what he could give them, but they did not believe in him for eternal life. Everything was good while it was about all that was happening and then they had to stop and listen, stop and hear the message. You know, many people come to church because they want something, but they don't want to hear the, the preaching. We try to help people here in our community, and oftentimes somebody will call in, and, and they'll want, to, um, want um, some help, a benevolence program or something like that with food or things of that nature. And, and, and we'll tell them, like, you know, our first priority is that you have to attend a service. Somebody will walk in and literally they'll come in and they'll um, ask for help and uh, we'll give them the paperwork to fill out and we'll tell them if you'll come to one of our services. And it's amazing how angry they'll become because we ask them to come and hear the preaching of the Word of God or even sit down with somebody that can share the gospel. They'll become belligerent and even using profanity and yelling at us because we're not giving them what they want. You see, many want the church and they want what the church can give them or do for them, but they don't want the teaching or the preaching of the message. This is the group of these people that are grumbling and walking away from Christ. We don't, we don't need this religious stuff. We just, want to, well, we just want you to take care of us. We just want you to, to provide us food. We want to have a program. Uh, we want um, stuff, but we don't need a, a savior. We want our material needs and our fleshly matters dealt with, but don't talk to us about our, our spiritual situations. The Bible tells us that they left him because of the hard sayings. What, what they meant by these hard sayings was not that they did not understand what Jesus was teaching them, but rather they did not like it. Some translations of the, of the Bible use the, the statement there, who can accept it when they ask the question, who will listen or who will hear it? It's translated, who can accept it? And this is really the issue there in verse 60. And we see this in our world today. People don't like what the Bible has to say. Someone said, it's not what I don't understand about the Bible that bothers me, but it's what I do understand. You see, they like their sin and their sinful lifestyle. They say things like, don't, judge me and they don't want they don't like to uh, things to go against culture and and their attitude is well I do it because everybody does it this is this is a normal way of life and if you follow the bible then you must be out of touch with reality you see to submit to hard truths we often must go against our culture and even our religious backgrounds 
And we must confront preconceived ideas. You know, it's difficult to get people to go against their heritage. It's difficult to get people to go against what their parents taught them. And, 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 and not just what they taught them, but, but the way they lived. It's hard to tell somebody, listen, I understand that, that your parents or grandparents have died in their sin, but without Christ, you're going to go to go to hell too. For them to, to step back and say, listen, I believe the Bible and I believe there's only one way to have eternal life and it's through Jesus Christ is to say that all those that denied him and died and left this world are spending eternity separated from him because of their sin. To get somebody to grasp that truth and, and reality is, is very difficult. To say that a loved one is separated from God and is spending eternity in, in hell but it's the truth. To say that they need a, a savior. Well, I've been taught the American way and, and I can pull myself up and, and I can accomplish all that I want to accomplish and I can be anything that I want to be by my own power and my own strength and, and my own ability. Hey, listen, I'm, my job is to outdo the next person and, and, and be the best that I can be in, in this world. It's all about what I can do, what I can accomplish, and to get people to see the, the, how false that is. It's a hard thing because they don't like it. It's easier to say, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I don't, I don't need you. I don't, I don't need a God. I don't, I don't need a Savior. And this is the world that we live in. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And listen to what he goes on to say. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This is the world that we live in today. They don't like hard things. Now, what were the hard things? What were the things that they did not want to grasp? What were the things that they did not want to listen? J Jesus has been laying these out for them, and I want to reiterate them so that we don't miss it. What they did not like about the teaching of Christ, first of all, he proclaimed the incarnation in verse number 51. He says, I am the living bread, notice, which came down from heaven. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus was claiming to be God. And the world doesn't like that. The world says we can say that he was a, a man. He was a, a, a moral man. But don't come and say that he was God. He, he was a good teacher. He was a good person. He made a difference in, our, in the society in which he lived in. But don't say that he is, he is God. To say that he came down from heaven means that he was fully God and that he came and took on flesh means that he was fully man. So therefore, he alone is suitable to be the sacrifice for our sin. That's a hard thing for them to understand or to grasp. But more importantly, it's hard for them to accept. This is how many religions and cults begin in our society today. They, they appease the false views concerning, concerning Jesus. They didn't like that Jesus said, I came down from heaven. Secondly, they didn't like the, the message of the crucifixion. 
He says again in verse number 51 that he came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give, notice here, is my flesh. And he's talking about the crucifixion. In just a moment in these verses, we'll see that he asked them, what if I ascend? What if I ascend? And he's given a picture of going to the cross, then the resurrection, and ultimately ascending back to God. Is this something that you, if, if what I've taught you already offends you, how is the message of the cross not going to offend you? See, they didn't want a savior from the spiritual things. They wanted a material king to raise up. They wanted an earthly Messiah to step up and give them freedom here in this earth. And they did not like talk of the crucifixion. He made several statements concerning giving his life. And his speaking of the cross was offensive. The Bible tells us to the Jew it's a stumbling block, and to the Greek, it's even foolishness, but we know that it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you know the cross and the crucifixion is the dividing line in history? It's the dividing line even in our, our own calendar, but it's also the dividing line in eternity. It's at the cross that the wrath of God was poured out on the Son for you and me, and the natural man struggles with this. Because again, it shows that I can't work for my salvation. They struggled with the hard teaching of the cross. It's not something they wanted to accept. They did not want their Messiah to die. The third thing that Christ taught was faith in him alone can save. Faith in him alone can save. Look at verse 53. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Notice this, you have no life in you. The message of by grace through faith is something that they struggled. To eat the flesh and drink the blood is to come to him by Christ alone without works. You know, this is the problem in our world today. Is Christ the only way for eternal life? Jesus himself has said it over and over again. In chapter 14, he's going to tell them, listen, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't, I don't know how, plain, how more plain, how plainer, whatever the English right way to say that. I don't know how clear it could be. Jesus is the only way, and they don't like that. The sad truth is we have those that claim to be evangelical pastors in our world today. They've sat on interview shows like Larry King and Oprah Winfrey, and they've been asked, is Jesus the only way? And they have, at that moment, the audience of the world, and they can say, yes, the Bible tells us, it is very clear, there's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Jesus himself came and died on the cross for our sin. And he told us, unless we come through him by faith, we cannot have eternal life. But yet they sit on those shows and they hem and haw and they try to give a politically correct answer. Why? Because the countless people that watch them and buy their books and go to their services might not do those things if they don't like the hard things. If they don't like the hard things that the Bible teaches us like faith alone in Christ alone is the only way that we can have eternal life. 
This messed up their system of religion. If you stop and think about it for just a moment. These were Judaizers. These were people that they, they lived according to the law, and now there's this big transition in history. And now you have to get them to understand it's not by the sacrifice of, of bulls and goats and sacrificing on the altar that covered their sin in the old system. That was a picture of what Christ was coming to do. And they were so wrapped up and so consumed by it, it was too difficult for them to understand. Even though the very scriptures that they claimed to know and live by taught the fact that the Messiah was going to come, that he was going to give his life and be the payment for their sin, they so lived in the flesh and in the moment and the things of this world that they missed it. Listen, I'd rather go to the altar and do my own sacrifices than to trust in Jesus Christ. And you know, that's the same mindset of people in the world today. Listen, if you're here today and you believe that you can work your way to heaven, you're saying the same thing. I'd rather do it in my own power, in my own strength. I'd rather come up there and sacrifice a bull or a goat than to believe on Jesus Christ. We, we have people running around the world today. Hey, go to church, give to our cause, you know, be religious, be spiritual, do the best you can. If you do all these things, then you know, your good works outweigh your bad works, and, and therefore you'll, you'll get to heaven. And we say we like that mode, we like that model, we like that way to get to heaven, and because in our flesh we can do it. Those same people could come and say, listen, you bring a bull or goat up here and you slice his throat and you sacrifice it, that'll get you to heaven. And in our flesh and in our foolishness, we, we, we'll, we're willing to listen to that instead of God himself. They had a hard time with the fact that salvation comes, that life comes only through Jesus Christ. We see in verse 63, they, they were consumed by the flesh, and they had a hard time giving that up. In verse 63, it said, It is the spirit that quickeneth, notice there, the flesh profiteth, Nothing. The flesh profits nothing. They were offended because all they wanted at that moment was the physical. They were offended because Christ was trying to give them what they really needed, but they, lost, they could not see what they truly needed because they were so consumed with the flesh. People think today Christianity is, is something you do. You get baptized, you go to church, you do these things, and verse 66 tells us they followed him, no, they no longer followed him because they did not believe. 1 John 2, 19 says they went out from us for they were not of us because these hard things they did not want to believe and, and to hold on to because it, it didn't meet their own understanding. It didn't meet their, their fleshly desires. And so there were these hard things. There were hard things. And they said, who can accept these things? Who can listen to this? Who can hear this? We're out of here, buddy. We don't, we, you're not going to give us bread. You're not going to give us a social program. You're not going to make us feel good about ourselves. Hey, then listen, we're out of here. And you know, people do that all the time. Listen, if you don't like the preaching of one church, if you don't like when the Bible is opened up and proclaimed and, and straightforward laid out, you can go somewhere else and somebody else will tell you how great you are and help your self-esteem and, you, and send you straight to hell without Jesus Christ. And this is where they were. And we see this over and over throughout history. We don't like that message. We don't like that message. See, they, they, it wasn't that they didn't understand Christ. When they had to sit and stop and listen and hear what he said, they didn't like it. So number two, then, we see the responses of the true followers. 
the response of true followers. In verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ and the Son of the living God. Could you imagine? You're here with these crowds. You're going from place to place. Everywhere you go, the crowds are, are just flocking to you. I mean, I can picture Jesus with his disciples, and man, the crowds are coming, and these guys are happy. I mean, we're, we're, we're big stuff in the nation of Israel. I mean, we're with Jesus and all these people. I mean, we're his inner circle. We're his inner crowd. And, and we get to be with him everywhere he goes. And, and they have to find us and follow us. And, and everywhere we go, it's like we have all these groupies that want to be around us. Isn't it amazing? And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to preach. And I can see maybe some of them saying, hey, hey, listen, listen, Jesus, we, we have a good thing going here. I mean, listen, these people want to be around us. You're popular. You're, I mean, things are going great for us. And, and we've already lost a thousand over here. And he continued to preach his message. Hey, we're down 3,000 more people. What's going on? Why are, what, what's happening? We, we, we need to change our thought process and our programs and our ministry. And hey, we, we might need to stop teaching this stuff, Jesus. I, I know you're the son of God and I know you're the Messiah, but... But man, but now all of a sudden, I mean, the multitudes are gone and Jesus is sitting there with the 12. Here, and so now you have the Son of God. Think back, you went from, it's Jesus and his disciples, small groups, to now there's countless people all around chasing him around the nation of Israel. Everywhere he goes to now, okay, we're back to just the 12 or the, the 13 of us. And Jesus looks at them and he asks them, what about you? What about you? The idea here, this question is a rhetorical question. Jesus wasn't looking for an answer from these disciples. The expectation is, no, we will not leave because Christ knew their hearts as well. And you see at the end of this chapter, he knew Judas's heart as well. Here, but he says to them, will you leave? You know, that's a good question for us. Are you going to leave when you don't like the hard things? And for us, it's easy when the pastor stands up and preaches, hey, listen, Jesus is the only way to heaven. We believe that. Hey, salvation is through Christ alone. Now, when the pastor stands up and says, hey, listen, you need to quit being immoral and living in fornication, and in your heart and life, you know you're living immoral and being a fornicator. Well, now, wait a minute. Don't judge me, or who do you think you are to, to stand up and, and, and say that and to preach that? And what we do often is we pick and choose what parts of the Bible we want to heard preached and what parts of the Bible that we like because they're encouraging and helpful to us in our walk but we don't want to be challenged in our own faith. Hey, where are you serving God? We talk about, you know, we need to be faithful to God and faithful in church. We need to serve. and We need to preach the gospel. And yeah, you're, you're challenged in your faith about when is the last time you shared your faith? Well, listen, I wish he'd quit saying that. He's constantly asking us that. When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? 
You see, th those are things we don't like because it takes us out of our comfort zone. You know, a lot of people leave smaller churches and go to bigger churches. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with bigger churches, but a lot of times people will leave because there's no accountability. You see, the, there's thousands of people in the church, and you can walk in, you can be a statistic, a number, fulfill your religious duty of going to church, even maybe give a little bit, and then you can go back home. But you come to a church like Grace Baptist Church, and, and we ask you, are you, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe salvation is through Jesus Christ? Are you willing to pray for the church? Are you willing to serve in the church? Are you willing to give? Now, these are hard questions. These are, these are hard things. It's not that we don't understand what we're talking about. But we don't like it. I'm not willing to accept. I'm not willing to accept it. And oftentimes people leave because they don't like the hard things. A lot of times people leave that they're looking for a show or they're looking for different types of music. And, and you know, it's sad when people will leave a church and they'll, they'll go to a church that preaches the Bible and that, that, that holds the sound doctrine and they'll go to another church that doesn't preach the Bible or hold a sound doctrine. And, and I'll talk to them. I'll be like, you know, why is the, you know, the Lord's moving you there? How am I going to argue with that, right? Well, the Holy Spirit told me it's time for me to leave and go to that. And I'll ask them, well, well, why do you believe you need to go to that church? Well, their youth group's better. They have better programs for my, better programs for my kids. So they do more activities, quote unquote, that are fun than we do, but they don't believe in the Trinity, they don't believe in church discipline. They don't believe in salvation by grace through faith alone. But they have better, better activities. Or, well, their music's better. Hey, and listen, there's no doubt in my mind. Everybody in here has different preferences when it comes to music. Some people like our music. Some people think it should be more conservative. And some people should be less conservative. And, and, and I understand that. We have different opinions. But it's sad when you'll leave and you'll go to a church that, that denies the Scriptures or at very best, neglects the preaching of the scriptures so that we can have the, the type of music, the style that we like. My parents just moved here and, and was talking to my dad. And, you know, whenever they moved in life, they taught me and my siblings that when you, when you move somewhere, you don't move for a job first. You you have to have a good church to go to. And what that meant to them was a church that preached the Bible. That's what they taught us. You, now, for me, going to a good, the church and the job is the same thing, okay? Um, so uh, that's easy for me. If I'm going to a new community, it's because God took me there for the job, for the church. It's the, it's the one, in, one in the same. But so often we, we move for superficial reasons and we make these big decisions in our life. And listen, I know there's not a church there, and, but we'll make do. We'll find something and we'll just, we'll just sacrifice biblical teaching because this is the job or the lifestyle or, or whatever we want. And we make foolish decisions. Will you leave me to What's the priority in your life? I want you to see Peter's response. Of course, Peter's the one that speaks up. He's always the mouthpiece of the group. But I want you to notice what Peter says to the Lord. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter asked him, to whom shall we go? 
Nobody else can give us eternal life. Nobody else can do what you can do for us. Why? Because you're the Christ. You're the, you're the promised one. Listen, we understand who you are. We're on, we're, because of who you are, we're willing to accept the message and the preaching and the teaching that you're giving us. And I don't want you to miss this point of what Peter says. In verse 69, he says, we believe and are sure. Now, many of us, we have to come to the place where we're sure before we believe. You see, for the world, seeing is believing. But for the Christian, believing is seeing. And that's where they were. And we believe you're the Christ. Well, what's the difference between them and everybody else? They wanted to see. They wanted to see the big gesture and and the miracle and all that Jesus could do. They wanted to see, and then they'll believe. And, And we've seen it in John, and you'll see it in other places. When Jesus makes claims, they'll say, what will they say? Show us. They just saw the feeding of the 5,000. They just saw Jesus feed all these people with this little bit of food. And then what, is, what do they say? Well, if you're really the Son of God, if you really come from heaven, if you're the Messiah, then, then show us a miracle. They, they constantly want to see. All throughout the New Testament, you'll, you'll see these words, the Jews sought a sign. The Jews sought a sign. They had to see it before they would believe it. But Peter says, listen, we believe And because we believe you are, we're sure. We're sure that in you we have eternal life. We're sure that you're the Messiah. We're sure. Their faith was fixed and final. We have a settled and fixed assurance that you are the Christ. You are the Holy One of God. And so their faith caused them to have assurance. J.M. Boyce said the secret at arriving at a point of certainty in spiritual things, the secret at arriving at a point of certainty in spiritual things is that we believe what God tells us. Then believing, we find knowledge following. Their faith came not from the miracles as the others, but hearing the Holy One of God. Their faith came not by the miracles, not by what was done, but by hearing the Holy One of God. What makes us come to faith? Faith comes by hearing and what? Hearing by the the Word of God. What what makes us grow? This is a whole other sermon, but we kind of get saved, and then we have this mindset that I'm going to work, 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 and I'm going to, you know, and therefore I'm going to, I'm going to grow, grow, grow. You know, many people work, 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 and they never grow, grow, grow because they neglect the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more we're in the Word of God, the more we're, we're growing. The more we're in the Word of God, the more the, God's Spirit is using His Word in our life to help us grow and be more like Christ. The Word of God has to be a priority in our life. And so as Boyce said, the secret at arriving at a point of certainty in spiritual things, how do I come to certainty? Is that we believe what God tells us. How do I become more like Christ? Believe what God tells us. Believe what God tells us. It's not by the wisdom of men. It's not by my own understanding. But it's believing what God tells us. 
the responses of the false disciples. We want to see it. And as long as you'll do it, we'll keep following you. But as soon as, as soon as you have expectations on us, as soon as you stop doing what we want, then we're out of here. The followers or the true believers' response. We believe. We believe. You see, I stand up here today because I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God that died for my sin. And I believe that through faith alone, because of the grace of God, through faith alone in Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's not by anything that I can do, but it's through Christ alone. I believe it. And listen, I want to serve, and I want to sacrifice, and I want to give, and I want to love people, and I want to honor God because I believe his word. I believe he did what he said he was going to do and went to the cross and, and offered and gave me the free gift of salvation. I believe it. And that's my motivation. I'm not coming to God and saying, okay, show me. That's what the, many of these so-called healers and works groups out there do. Show us, show us, show us. Make it big and sparkly and, 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 and we'll, we'll come. And then it stops and the excitement's gone and the false disciples go on their way. True disciples, we believe. We believe God. Why do I go to church? Because I believe God. I believe his word. Why do I do the things I do? Because I believe God. It's not because I'm trying to get crowds, trying to get the attention of men. It's because I believe God. And that's where Peter was. That's where the disciples were. We believe you. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And because we believe that, we're sure that everything that you're offering, including eternal life, is going to be ours. The question is, what is your response today to the truths of the Word of God? Well, I'm here, but I'm just going to go out. We're going to go out and live my life and do my own thing. Or we believe, and we're sure we're going to glorify God, and we're going to honor Him with our life, and we're going to live for Him because He is who He said He is. And he's done what he said he would do.